This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We have a deal. It looks like the economy isn't going to collapse, maybe. And the question is, who won, who lost? Or is that actually the stupidest question? And is it really a lot more nuanced than that? I'm Matt Robeson. This is the Balance of Power Roundtable, part of the Beyond Politics podcast, available on YouTube on the Blue Am channel, and of course, wherever you get your podcasts on audio, joined as always by former Democratic two-term U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant Alicia Preston. I really have a dilemma about how to introduce this topic. It's something we've been talking about for months and months, this debt ceiling and the potential for a deal, potential for a way out. Alicia Preston, take a victory lap. You have been saying from the get-go this is going to happen. They'll pull something out of their you-know-whats. We're going to have a deal. We're not going to go over the cliff. And I've been like, eh, I don't know. I don't see it. Here we are. I wanted to, the dilemma is I wanted to frame this as winners and losers. But I think that framing in itself might be dumb because I think the answer is maybe more complicated than that. But you tell me, I'm letting you go first on this because you were right. You were right. We do have a deal. How do you see it? Do you see this as there are winners and losers here? Or do you see this as like a weird mishmash? There are winners and losers, but probably not the ones you think I'm going to say. The winners are the American people. Government worked. They did what they were supposed to do, which was compromise and come up with a deal. The only losers are the political pundits and extremists on the left and the right who wanted more fodder and were willing to let the country economically burn for their own political advancement. But I don't care that they lost. We got a deal. Hopefully it is voted on as it is intended to be. And yeah, I get to say, told you. It's richly deserved. I, Thank you. I, I, so Paul, you've lived through these things. What did you make of the deal? I, and I have to point out that one of your old friends in Congress and a guest on this show last year who used to be the budget chairman, John Yarmouth, you've gone through these fires with him. So you know the details of, hey, painful compromises or painful compromises. This is, but you have a partisan hat here of you didn't believe there should be any compromising at all because we shouldn't be negotiating over the full faith and credit of the United States. What was your reaction to this deal? It's still a little bit of wait and see because I want to make sure that they can actually get this deal past the few whack jobs who are in control of Congress on the Rules Committee and then in the Republican caucus. But let's assume, as they say, for the sake of argument, that the deal actually passes. If so, kudos to the compromisers for getting a deal and avoiding catastrophic economic failure of the world economy. That's really good. My mother will be much happier, even though she sold some bonds and moved into cash as a prudent move, right? because I gave it a 50-50 chance of success. And I'm still a little bit skeptical as to whether or not the terrorists on the right, as they say, are going to are going to kibosh the deal. But let's assume it happens. So everybody won and everybody lost. I agree with Alicia that, yes, good for the U.S., good for the world. 
that we have a deal. For the president, who said he wouldn't negotiate, the U.S. doesn't negotiate with terrorists, and I don't negotiate on this, he negotiated. So to that extent, he might be seen as weak. However, he came out with a deal that, in a divided government, really isn't a bad deal. Holding overall spending to 1%, not a bad idea. Preserving the environmental benefits of what he passed, except for the gas pipeline, which the environmentalists and, le and left will hate and will raise a clatter about, okay, that may be a mixed bag. But politically, is he weakened by having negotiated or is he strengthened? I would say that the bulk of the American people probably say, of course he negotiated. That's what people do. And the left, however, is going to continue to be upset with Joe Biden because he negotiated. But he did pretty well in the negotiations. Now, there are additional work requirements for those who are on government assistance, which the left doesn't like and which I think are unfair. That's the nature of government. There, you have to compromise to get to a deal. In the end, the terms of the deal are better for Democrats than they are for Republicans if you're trying to tout up wins and losses on the issues. The Republicans did not get the major defunding of government and slashing of programs that they wanted. They were asking for crazy stuff and they didn't get it. So good for everybody, good for the American people. The really good news is if this deal happens, we won't have to fight about this during 2024 because we won't have to fight about the debt ceiling again until 2025. So that may be the biggest part of the best part of this whole thing is we won't go through this again in a year. The question in my mind throughout this whole discussion has been, is there a BATNA? Longtime listeners have heard me use that term before. It's something that they teach in negotiations courses. Best alternative to a negotiated agreement. What is each side's BATNA? And Kevin McCarthy's has been the real question mark in my mind. I have hypothesized that if the whole American economy blows up, that might be a political win for Republicans, and they might just be nihilistic enough to not really care. They might have looked at this and said, what's our best chance of political success in 2024? People's memories are short. And if we have a blow up now, and polling confirms this, people are going to forget who said what to whom and who was holding out on whom. And Alicia, you made the case, no, it's actually Joe Biden who's the one taking hostages here. And there would be people who would agree with that line of logic, and we would end up in a political win because all people would care about is, hey, the economy is in a recession. I lost my job. I lost my house. They would blame the president. That's a win for Republicans. My concern has been that Kevin McCarthy's BATNA was a hell of a lot better than Joe Biden's because ultimately, if we went over the cliff, there was a good chance that Republicans would win in that scenario. So from that standpoint, I will say that I think that Joe Biden had a weaker hand to play here. And the fact that what we are looking at, and you see this in the talking points emerging from the White House over the weekend, what they're saying is the old Joe Biden, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. The alternative was a catastrophic meltdown of the economy 
and having to give up massive concessions in order to stave that off. The fact that this deal does not result in either of those two outcomes would be a win from that standpoint. But I do think it's worth acknowledging that this was a tough position that Joe Biden was in. Alicia, I see you I see you wanting to crow here about, you guys said that Joe Biden shouldn't negotiate. I still maintain that. Joe Biden shouldn't have to negotiate with hostage takers over the fate of the American economy, but he did not have a strong hand here. He had a weak hand because his fallback was terrible for him. So from that standpoint, I think Joe Biden did reasonably well. And I just, at the end of the day, I don't mind this deal substantively at all, but I can understand why Republicans would feel pretty good about it too. I don't think you're giving the president or the Speaker of the House enough credit. And what I mean by that is not Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy, the people who tend to hold those positions too, because we had one four-year example that would be an exception to the rule. <laughs> but when you who get- Who are you speaking of? I think when people get into these positions, of course, politics is always part of something. But when you're in a position like this, where you literally hold in your hands, both the president and the Speaker of the House and the Senate Majority Leader when, and Minority Leader, when you hold in your hands something as significant as the economy, and I'm telling you, this is why I said all along a deal will come down, because I truly mm -hmm. believe this. I think they take that job seriously. I do think the politics that comes into play becomes not about my re-election or you're not re-election or this, but becomes how can I get this through? What can I do that can make it pass so we can save the economy? And I actually give credit to both the president and the Speaker of the House that they took their roles in their official capacity, more importantly than their political weight in coming up with a deal. And I always said, and I know I'm gloating here, but I'm not, this was going to happen. And the reason was, because I believe that when people get into these positions, they understand how important their jobs are and they take it seriously. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Matt, you said earlier on that I had been through a number of these brink brinksmanship kinds of things in Congress. And really, assuming Alicia is correct, that the jobs they had to do and that their positions vis-a-vis -vis the American people and our economy ultimately is what governed their actions. Much of this of the discussion they had was not about the deal points. It was, what can I do to help you sell this to your people? And what can you do to help me sell it to my people? Because we're both going to be dartboards here, okay? Your right-wing whack jobs, Kevin, are going to hate any deal. So what can I give you that I can sell to the left who will hate me, but I can sell it because I have to? And what can I give you that you can sell 
to your people? And what can you do for me so that I can somehow sell it to my people? Because I got all these, I got all the squad and the left wing and the environmentalists and those enviros and Paul Hodes and all those people on the left who are telling me what to do and what, what can you do for me? And that, that's how the negotiations went probably for the last two weeks. Uh, two things here. One is, I do think Alicia makes a really solid point, although maybe I won't give quite as much credit to their professionalism and their sense of duty to the country as, as you're willing to, because I also think there were an awful lot of financial and political voices in their ears. The way these things go down is that pressure starts to ratchet up from the professional world, the K Street world, the lobbying world out there, whose jobs are to make sure that deals like this come together. And there were an awful lot of whispers going on in Kevin McCarthy's ear from the financial sector saying, hey, if you give in to your right flank, if we go over the cliff here, then you guys are in trouble. They, what they did was they tried to degrade his sense of, oh, maybe I can get a win here by not having a deal. They tried to make the pain point much higher. And they were successful. And I think where I'll give him kudos is he has managed his position in the crosshairs far better than I think anyone expected when he went through 14 rounds of votes to get the speakership chair. There, there is no doubt that he has managed to keep a lid on the crazy right flank. There's very limited talk about trying to take him down, to take him out of the chair. And he's more or less mollified and threaded the needle of his caucus. That is something I did not expect. I, Paul, to your point, I do think that this deal has all the hallmarks of the kind of conversation that you described. It does seem to, it looks like the discussion was, what is the amount that you can give that will cover my ass on this? And you look at it and, you know, what you're getting if you're Kevin McCarthy is spending caps that allow him to make true the talking point of we are cutting spending for the mm -hmm. very first time. That was the number one talking point that he needed. He's also getting some rollback of the IRS funding that the Democrats put through last year. And he's getting some addition to work requirements for people on federal aid. But if you look deep inside what they're actually getting, they're getting the talking points. But these are not particularly momentous concessions. The work requirement is already adults 49 and under have to meet some kind of work requirements. That's been extended to age 54, but there are all kinds of carve outs for veterans and homeless people and people recently in foster care. And so the actual impact is really small. Yes, they're cutting back, they're rolling back some of the funding that went to the IRS, but it's already been whispered from the White House, yeah, we can reprogram some other money. This is gonna basically not amount to much. Republicans needed to do something to take down the Inflation Reduction Act. And they got 1.4 billion out of that entire bill rolled back. So the talking points are all true, but it looks like a real down to brass tacks, just like you described. What can you give me that will allow me to put out a press release that says this? And they did that. They reached that point. Yep. They had to. As Alicia says, they had to.
They did their job. What Paul, so when a deal like this comes through that's been negotiated between the White House and Republicans, and you need some Democratic votes. There's over the weekend, or there, there were these kind of insider stories about the Democrats even haven't even met to talk about it. What's one of those caucus meetings like where there, there's someone from the White House there who's trotted out? It's probably Shalanda Young, the head of OMB, brought out to the caucus to explain here are the details. Here's walk us through what's that experience like? Look, the ultimate experience of the White House trying to of coming to the caucus was my experience over healthcare when we all gathered in what was then the newly constructed visitor center auditorium on the eve of the vote for health care. And Barack Obama came to talk to the caucus. An incredible, it was just, it was a momentous it was a momentous appearance because many of the conservative blue dog Democrats were holding out. They were saying, unless there's this abortion restriction put in and that abortion restriction in, we're not going to vote for, for health care. And Nancy Pelosi had taken her turn whacking everybody's knuckles with her big ruler, and she called in the nuns. And the nuns were talking to the blue dog saying, it's okay, boys. You can get over this. We're with you. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have your behinds on all this, and you better do it, or we're gonna come down. With- what does that mean? Does that mean there are specific? I think yeah, I know anyway, what you're saying. There are specific commitments made. Hey, give me this vote, and yeah. I will be there for you. The White House, the President will come campaign for you. We will direct donor money to you. Yeah, we will help protect you. There, in the there, races. there are specific. There are there are various pieces of parts of the caucus are holding out for various various concessions if they're going to deliver their votes on something that means they have to we have to hold our noses and go home and sell to people after we've said we're against it. Now we have to go and hold our noses and say we're for it. How are you going to help me? But and ultimately, when the White House comes, that's pretty serious business. And if they and if it's really necessary, the whole caucus is there and there's no lunch. And that's that that means it's serious. If there's no food, that means it's a serious piece of business. And in, in the case of healthcare, Barack said, hey, I know that a lot of you are going to lose your seats over this, but it's the right thing to do. So you got to do it. And that that kind of it worked on you. It worked on me. And it was true. I voted for it because I went to Congress to make change and I made change and lost my seat. And what the hell? Here I am now. I'm a pod star. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Isn't this more fun, though? Oh, yeah. This Congress thing. This is a lot more fun than the whole Congress thing. But the White House has to figure out how to bring the various reluctant people and segments of the caucus along. And they may say, whatever those arguments are that Matt advanced, plus here's what we're going to do in particular for you. You've got a tough, and and it can come down to individual votes where you say, look, I know this is what you're facing in your district. Here's what we're going to do for you. I was never my problem was I was never a tough enough pol- politician. I hadn't been there long enough to understand how to hold out 
for shit that I wanted. So I just went along with it, doing what's right. Poor me. What did I know? Shame, shame, what, shame. What shame, a shame. shameful. Babe in the shameful woods you were. Holding like, out for doing what's right yeah. instead of waiting for somebody to buy me off with something. But that's what's going on. And I bet that for Kevin McCarthy, it's even, it's a tougher, yeah, I think Kevin has a tougher uphill climb with his crazies than Biden will have with Democrats who at least are rational enough to say, okay, it's not that bad. We'll go home. Yes, the lefties and enviros are going to be crawling up our bottoms, but we'll be able to deal with it because the overall impact really isn't that bad. The question that's going to happen is, how many votes? The quiet discussion will be between Hakeem Jeffries and Kevin McCarthy. Right. Kevin, how many votes do you need? And so Kevin has, will have engaged his whip operation to figure out how many he's got. And then he'll say, all right, Hakeem, I need 50. And then what they'll do, because most Democrats are going to position themselves to vote against this, I'm guessing, because they don't want to be in the business of, so Matt Robeson voted for work requirements for like you just don't want to end up in that position and republicans don't want to end up in the rhino alicia preston voted for liberal joe republican. biden's big government spending deal liberal you know, republican alicia preston liberal yeah republican and anyway i think that's probably the calculus that you're going to see here i i at the end of tangent. the day because you just brought up rhino you know what's amazing to me is that so rhino means republican in name only used to be used for people who called themselves republicans but they voted liberally or believed liberally and now rhino means you don't like donald trump you could literally be talking about the most conservative issue on the planet you could be talking about abortion banned at conception and you're a rhino if you're talking about it and donald trump doesn't agree with you isn't that a strange culty type reality? Wait, wait, you're saying that the Republicans have taken on all the hallmarks of being a cult? No, I'm Stop. saying the Trumpists. Go on. The Trumpists. Yes. Trumpists. Yes. It's yes. so cult. I got called a rhino this weekend and I was literally talking about a very conservative issue. It wasn't abortion. And I got called a rhino. And I said, why? And the response was, you're a never Trumper. What the F does that have to do with being a conservative or I Isn't all I can weird? say is look. I'll feel your pain. I'll feel, <laughs> I'll feel your pain. All I can say, Alicia, is once again we're going to have a long extended therapy session, which I'm happy to do live on this show for one. you as you come to terms with the fact that the party, the political party that you grew up with, is going to nominate Donald Trump to be their presidential candidate. From jail. Again. And when they make right. well, and when they make that decision, it's just going to be very hard to maintain the position that this is not a majority of the party. Like it's, it sucks. I honestly, it's I, not though. I'm it's not, not. Being, okay. It's maybe. a vocal majority, but it is not an actual majority. Well, Meaning uh, the people who speak more Republicans who speak are Trump than not get Trump, the most votes. Most of them aren't. I, if you get the most votes anyway, I, one thing that's I, one more point on the, on the debt ceiling. I think one people want to play along at home. The telltale sign at least as a Hill staffer, of how much juice are people putting into this? There was this interesting, it was the Environmental Defense Fund put out a statement that they're against the deal because they there's that little goodie for the West Virginia pipeline that they threw in to get Joe Manchin on board. 
And so that anything, this goes to your point, Alicia, which is you have an overall deal that's incredibly good from an environmental standpoint, because Republicans were looking to completely undo the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the largest investment in climate greenhouse gas abatement. It has nothing to do with reducing inflation. Whatever. Oh, whatever. The party of Clear Skies Act and Healthy Forest whatever. Act under the George inflation W. Inflation Reduction Act has which is nothing to do with reducing inflation. Whatever. Okay. It reduced the budget by $330 billion. Whatever. Dude. I got to say, inflation has been coming down. But anyway, that's a side point. It was the biggest investment in greenhouse gas abatement and climate in history. And Republicans wanted to completely undo it. And at the end of the day, they're losing like 1.4 billion out of it. So it's it's nothing. It's a talking point in a press release. And they won that. So from an environmental standpoint, this is a very good deal. And yet they're coming out against it. So Alicia, you were talking about being a rhino. I think your point is, how did we get to a place where you can no longer be a member of the political party if you have any straying at all from absolute adherence to the farthest extreme line? And my point is, you can a telltale sign on things like this is, are they really putting their back into it? I think environmental defense is putting out a statement because they have to do that for their donor base. They can't be for a deal that approves this pipeline. But I think they know what time it is deep down. I don't expect much effort at all behind like any kind of a lobbying effort to oppose this. I think that the groups are going to put out their statements and they're going to pack it up and go home. Everyone wants the deal to go through. And the adults in the room are going to stay in charge. Any disagreement? No, I don't disagree. I think it wouldn't have been announced if they didn't have the numbers. Hey, before we get out of here, it is historic. We should just talk for just a minute about the fact that the attorney general of Texas, Ken Paxton, has been impeached. There is a trial set for August 28th. He is He made his name, I guess, you know, Political junkies will recognize that name. He made his name by suing the Obama administration over and over again as PR stunts, and also for being incredibly corrupt and trying to steer all kinds of money to a friend of his. And he was already under federal indictment, and he somehow has managed to skate along. Alicia, I got to ask you, because we're talking about the Trump takeover of the Republican Party, what happened? Like, how did all of a sudden... All these Republicans in Texas wake up, find Jesus, and say, you know what? We really shouldn't have a corrupt criminal as the attorney general of the state of Texas. But what happened? How did Republicans turn on him? Because at the end of the day, and I hope I'm never wrong about the statement I'm going to make. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. At the end of the day, government works, right? You guys have made fun of me a few times when I said things like, at the end of the day, people take the jobs, they do it right. It's true in the debt ceiling. It's true when Mike Pence refused to cave to political pressure on January 6th. There are steps along the way that at the end of the day, even under the utmost of political pressure, government will almost always work in moments of most importance. And that's what happened here. Look, this guy's corrupt. This guy took bribes. He used government funds to hide an extramarital affair or something to that nature. Trump came out and supported him. Ted Cruz came out and supported him because he's a big Trumper. He was the head of something in 2020, lawyers for Trump. You can grab them by the once and then nobody cares about it. And that that's all he did. And this guy was a huge Trump supporter. Trump came out and a Republican led text legislative body said they don't care about Trump's support. They don't care about Ted Cruz's support. They don't care about that. The guy's corrupt. He's going to be impeached. You know, government works. It usually at the end of the day, even through pain, 
At this, the end of the day, it works. This is a rhino speaking. I don't want to listen to any of that guff, guff from somebody who's not really a Republican. The Texans, you, you ought to be coming down hard on them Texans because they've lost their way. There's nothing wrong with what Ken Paxton did. So there are 22 counts of corruption. It's all a put-up job by liberal Republicans who've lost their way. They're not true Trumpers. They're out of the cult. We're throwing them out. They all ought to be impeached. I'm looking forward now. to editing out the last minute of this podcast anyway. Hey, oh, you can't. It's gold. It's gold. The world's turned oh, upside down. It's gold. Paula, I'm Matt. We'll see you next time.